You know, Joe, we're having a good week, but some cases I find really difficult. And one of the things that we're, we're going to talk about today is parental alienation and how this plays out, not just in family courts, but in, in, in criminal court as well. Yeah. So what we're doing now is going to be a probably a two to three part uh, series. Sorry if I sound rough, everybody. This is why I have tea with my Hello Kitty cup. My wife made me a cup of tea and Hello Kitty cup. I'm not sure how this arrived at the office. But it's helping. So And it's fresh all day. <laughs> apparently. So we cannot, um, we have to be very careful about um, this case. It's a, it's a trial we completed. It's not our only case of parental alienation, but there's, the, there's a very powerful case that we're, that we're working on right now. Yeah, so it, no, we have lots of cases where there are criminal allegations with um, included in it, in the context, parental alienation, where we see on a regular basis, boy, I sound where we see on a regular basis that the complainant, who's the former wife, uses the criminal system as leverage in the family court for a number of reasons. We'll get into that in some detail, but when somebody claims domestic abuse in the family context, there is now a tort of dam a tort of abuse, family results, violence, yeah, which results in damages. So you can get you know, an equal distribution of the family assets and damages for abuse. So we are seeing a, a fair amount of cases, which we get, um, where there is high conflict divorce, where there are allegations of domestic violence with the complainant, which is the ex-wife, as well as children sometimes, resulting in criminal charges and then playing out in the family court. So this is a case we did a five-day trial on. Judgment is forthcoming soon. We don't have a judgment. We want to be very careful not to identify anybody. But we're going to talk in general about facts and allegations because we think this is really important for our podcast and get to... We're doing this about the abuse of the criminal system. Criminalizing things that shouldn't happen, weaponizing the criminal system for family law advantage. What weaponizing and, and, and here, here's the thing for me with these cases, the biggest loser is the children. And I, I find these cases the most heartbreaking. And so that's one of the things like when we were in trial, um, when I watched the, the, there was two children the oldest child had been totally weaponized against the father and potentially even believes some of these memories, false memories are true. But at the time of the police statements, the younger child still had a great relationship with his father. And then by the time we got to court a year and a half later, he, he sat there, very young child and said, I don't miss my father. Seven, age seven. And I, um, I just started crying. I just started crying. And in cross-examination, I said, do you miss your dad? No, I don't miss him at all. It was the most heartbreaking thing to see. And what was so stunning, too, is like, we don't really know. Um, 
how long this alienation was taking place because there was a little bit of planning that came out as well we'll talk about this particular case but um it's stunning how fast a child can be completely alienated from a parent and the reason it happens has nothing to do with the interests of the child it has everything to do with the alienating parent wanting power and control and quite often money money absolutely money so let's frame this so everybody understands what we're talking about this is really important as a case study because this is a real case that we've been litigating we just completed trial evidence as i said and we're waiting for judgment we firmly believe our client's innocent so our client cup of tea so let's let's put this into some perspective and we can talk about yeah yeah our client is married with a complainant for over uh, a decade they have two lovely children by the time of trial one child is 14 15 and the other one's seven there has been a um, divide between the husband and wife for a couple of years they're not getting along they don't have a bonded loving relationship and by a year before but they stayed together for the children right and 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 about a year before the police are called uh, they're talking about divorce and they're having arguments and unfortunately arguments are happening in front of the children so the children are involved so rule one if you're in a relationship don't argue in front of your kids ever but they did and our client when he testified owned it that that was not a good thing so the kids were exposed to at least verbal um, conflict which wasn't good fast forward to the fall of a year not good. 2020 and the arguments are getting more significant our client is traveling for business he has a good business has been developing the business has been supporting the family and really wanting to build it for everybody's benefit during the fall he says to the complainant wife I want a divorce then goes on a business trip when he returns from the business trip the environment and the family has changed is away for about three to three weeks and he notices a palpable difference in his connection with the kids and his wife is very standoff there's there's a really interesting thing that took place when he returned from that particular trip where um because he was traveling when he returned home she says to him you know you shouldn't spend time with our children because when you leave they won't miss you anymore that was like a massive red flag because of course if you're traveling and then you're away from your kids when you return you want to spend more time with them to make up for lost time and that's what he was saying was like well no now that i'm back i want to spend more time with them she specifically said when he got i don't back, want i don't want our children to miss you <clears throat> okay so let's frame that again so when he got back she spoke to him and said give the line again slowly so everybody gets this yeah she said to him um because you're traveling a lot you shouldn't spend any time with our children because that way they won't miss you when you're gone 
how, how much of a bigger red flag can you get than that? Yeah, so that was bad. And he'd said to her, he'd mentioned to her that he talked to a divorce lawyer right before he left. Right, so before he left, for good or for bad, um, they talked about divorce, which when you're not getting along, it's not good for the children either. There's nothing wrong with divorcing if you as parents and as, and as a husband and wife don't have a good relationship. That's fine. And I've heard a lot of children who grew up in a home that was rather hostile say they wish their parents had divorced. You know, people stay together for the children. And they're just like, I, I, I wish you just split up because we hated it. It was terrible. We need children so are inc happy. incredibly intuitive. They are, and they can tell when parents are not getting along. And you know, somebody said to me once a long time ago, a happy, a happy um, parent is a better parent. Yeah. So if you're not happy in your marriage, whether you're a husband or a wife, male, female, doesn't matter. It's hard to be a good parent. And also because we're only human. I think you don't you don't want children growing up in a in a, a home like that thinking that's what love is. I would hope that you, you'd want to teach them how to pursue a, a healthier relationship rather than have them grow up thinking that a hostile environment is is a healthy home. I agree. Something. I agree. You know, the children will see a dysfunctional relationship between mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And then if there's a divorce and everybody behaves accordingly, they may see the parents reconstitute. And then they may see really healthy relationships. And that's just reality. Yeah, sometimes you can repair a bad relationship, you know, if you really work on it. But No, no, I mean... But continuing... You divorce. But continuing, yeah. No, I mean they divorce. Each finds new partners. Yeah, and the right. children are exposed to other healthy relationships where you remarry and you have a new wife or husband and you have a great relationship and the children then see that, right? So that's fine. We, this is the reality of life. I'm a firm believer that children need both parents. Oh, yeah. Even if there's dysfunction, children are better by being involved with both parents. So I'm no expert. But I've been through a divorce, and I have a very healthy new marriage, uh, Marcy, and um, Hi. Um, and I happen to have sole custody of my children, not by choice. I love them; I'm delighted to have them. But I took the position, and I think it is the right position, that nobody should go into a divorce saying. I want sole custody. So when I cross-examined this complainant, she was saying, my children, my children. My children. I went after her yeah. on my, as possessive. Mm -hmm. I still do believe that each parent, regardless of your disputes, should encourage a relationship with the other parent. Yeah. You should never alienate, denigrate, or otherwise dissuade children from having a relationship. So I do not agree with seeking sole custody. I think it should be shared custody. There may need to be support. Should in be place. the default. Yeah. Unless there's a strong issue of abuse and harm that really is demonstrated, shared custody is the way to go. Uh, because it's healthier for the children. Yeah, and, and I, I'm quite proud because I'm divorced as well and I never spent a day in court. And uh, That's great. Yeah, and we're both, you know, really strong 
equally love parents in, in my child's life. And so I'm really proud of having done that. But I've just, I've seen so many bad things happen when people start going in and, and, and it is common that sometimes people are going for, uh, trying to avoid having to pay child support. Well, that's a separate issue. But um, again, if this is a bit out of our purview, we're not family lawyers, okay? No, 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 I know. We're, we're, you know, we're criminal lawyers dealing with criminal issues, but we haven't got into meat of our case enough yet. But on a general level, um, everybody, if they're in the family court process, should be behaving in an adult, respectable manner with the best interests of the children. So regardless of the financial consequences, we have obligations, mm -hmm. male and female. Yeah. Those are to your spouse, uh, who yeah. will be an ex-spouse, and to the children. So there's nothing wrong, and it's absolutely appropriate and right to be able to... Um, encourage whoever is listening to this or viewing this that you know you want to pay what's appropriate for spousal support and child support mm -hmm. you should not be avoiding that yeah. it's wrong and to be clear I've, I've seen cases too where it was uh where uh, a mother was alienated from her children so it's not like one directional oh, no. just to say yeah we've, it, we've it, had it can clients. happen in either direction 100 yeah. percent. I, I i've had female clients that way but, you know, like, the biggest problems happen when people approach family court in a highly antagonistic way. That's what we call high conflict. If you, if you want to do what's right and what's fair, it's better. When you take antagonistic approaches, that's when problems happen. Yeah. And, I mean, and I guess that's probably why I brought this up is because, you know, we work in criminal law. And so, you know, there's a lot, obviously family courts are, they're a nightmare, they're a disaster. But I, I want to look at where it becomes, where it crosses over with criminal law. And so what would you say, what's the most common reason why somebody who's involved in a family court dispute ends up in, in a criminal court? Well, money. <laughs> um, money and hurt. Yeah. One partner did not want the divorce. So the fine line between love and hate is pretty thin. So somebody feels hurt, somebody cheated, um, somebody did something bad, and then the other party wants to seek revenge. Yeah. That's, you know, well, and, and it comes out voluntarily or, or some other way. Because we haven't really got into the details of the case that we're working on as, as much as we, we should. But one of the things that um, I recalled from a long time ago is, like, and I'm not going to name the website, but there's tons of websites out there for um, who advocate for women trying to escape domestic violence. And this one particular site, which I went and I looked it up because I was like, do I remember this right? They literally have a playbook, a guidebook for how to um, win everything you want in, in family court what, what's and it how called? to weaponize. So they have like this- There's nothing wrong with us naming the website. Yeah. So there's a, a site called Luke's Place. And uh, you know, it's named after, uh, unfortunately named after a, a young boy who was murdered by a parent in the midst of a bad divorce. And, and that's real. Yeah, it does and, happen. And, and men do that. 
uh, and it's and sometimes it's, women do it right, and it's a reality that we have to try and balance against everything else. And there is a high propensity of domestic violence, yeah. and it plays out and yeah. has not been recognized in family court, and it's now recognized. But it's real. Yeah. We're not saying that this doesn't exist. We just happen to deal with cases where there are people come to this law firm because they are wrongly accused. And and it's true. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there are not uh, a high amount of cases involving real justifiable abuse. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with these sites to exist. They have to help people in need. Yeah. But they've got like family court survival workbook for women leaving abusive relationships. This is to- entirely focused just on helping women. Yeah, to it, it should be for both. Leave relationships. Uh, it legal, should be for both legal because and men are subjected to abuse as well, more psychological than anything else. But it should not be solely for one versus the other. After she leaves, but um, this one thing I just printed out the first couple of pages of this uh, workbook that they offer, and it's got like two pages of table of contents that essentially is an entire playbook and, and guidebook for how to how to weaponize the legal system and make sure that they can get what they want now. For, for women who are, or, or men who are in a seriously abusive relationship, this is valuable information. But at the same time, the way it's designed, the way I read it, it's just free information on how to screw... Fabricate a false allegation. Yeah, how to get out and get everything. Well, that's life, right? There's so much information out there. And how do you balance this when you're an organization trying to help people? You want to give information to assist people who are suffering and who are victims of violence. Yeah. And then it can be manipulated by those who are not victims to pretend to be victims and use it as a sword for all sorts of uh, reasons, including economic advantage. Yeah. That's the danger. How, there's no good answer to how we solve this issue. I know. Uh, and I think this is a great starting conversation. So next time we talk about this case, uh, and get into details about what's going on. Um, I think that it's one of the important things is to is that was to a light discuss. Throw. I know. Normally you just f-ing flick it, but uh, one of the things we should talk about is uh, how common it is for for people to come in and just say, "But I've got pictures of everybody smiling and looking happy." <laughs> okay, so let's frame that too. So soon we'll talk more about this case study, but. So a client will come in and say, I'm accused of sexually assaulting and assaulting my wife and abusing my children. How can this be true? I have so many pictures of everybody happy and we went to Disney World and we traveled to the Bahamas and we held all these great trips and we had all these great family events. I have all these pictures. This is a lie. How do you deal with that? Well, and the rules of evidence are very complicated. Well, cup of tea. Um, yes and no. So. Oh, come on. The book is this thick. <laughs> look. <laughs> the law of evidence. Pictures are relevant, but it has to be framed in a way that supports your defense narrative. So families who are in distress can still have lots of pictures where everybody's smiling and happy. Because at those moments, they may very well be happy. You go to Disney World and you get to meet, you know, Mickey Mouse. Or for me, you get to go 
to Disney World and meet the Mandalorian. And I'm really happy. Yeah. So regardless of what the is <laughs> happening at home, like this is f***ing great. I know. Right? So... Okay, well, this is this is a whole deeper conversation. The, the, the law of evidence, we'll talk about that in terms of what helps you in, in court and what doesn't help you in court. And and uh, I think it's a whole other conversation. Okay, I, I just want to go a bit further, so hold on. Oh, okay. okay. I don't feel we got enough meat out of this one. So, so <laughs> let's just... like it was at the end. Yeah, so just, let's just say this. So that type of evidence can be helpful, but it has to be relevant, and there are ways to make it relevant. And we've used it to our advantage. And in this case, it was relevant. Yeah. Let's just lay out for this particular case what the charges were. And then we'll go, we'll end there. Okay. Because okay. it's going to be a three-part series, but it's important. So this poor person got back from a business trip. And there was a significant difference in the situation at home because he had said, I want a divorce. I've consulted with a family lawyer. Let's get a divorce. Let's move on with life. He stayed at home for a couple of months because he wanted to be around for the kids and tried to work through the separation. Um, he had an argument with one of his daughters on a particular day in January and police were called later that day. He had left the house. He had to leave the house. He had business meetings and other stuff to do. Come back. Police are there. He got charged with sexual assault. Sexual assault with a weapon. Sexual assault of his daughter. Almost all the charges were to do with his daughter. Sexual assault with a weapon, sexual interference, and numerous counts of assault to his wife, endless assaults covering a 10-year span, assaults of his son, and assaults of his daughter, physical assaults. So there are a lot of charges spanning a long period of time, but the sex assault was related to his daughter. Mm -hmm. And in particular, two allegations which when we get into in the next episode were really sort of bizarre and you have to wonder the bizarreness does that make it more reliable or does it make it more that's an interesting point a very interesting or point. does it make it more like it's crazy it's not true and then of course as, as they went into the family court system everything started to grow <laughs> right so just to end with this we then had and worked closely with the family lawyer. I'm not showing you this side, but this is our, our client then filed for divorce. And I said it was very important to do that. And then the complainant responded with what's called an answer in family court, where the allegations were at the forefront of the response in family court. The allegations grew and included more details and more allegations including sexual assault of the son, which was not part of the criminal case. Oh, I know. That was so strange. We'll talk about that in our next episode. And then damages for domestic violence, unequal distribution of assets because of the abuse and other things. So what came out very clearly in the family court documents, and this is what's very important for any criminal defense lawyer, and they know it, in defending these cases, you've got to look at the family court documents because it will give you a wealth of information to not only cross-examine on but develop your theory as to why there is a motivation to fabricate yeah. on that note until next time hello kitty <laughs> hello kitty <laughs>
if you like our podcast, can you like it, subscribe, share, and hit notification? Hit notifications. Did I get that all right for the first time in two you years? You did. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. And I just want to say this. Again, we're getting uh, comments about um, things that people want to hear in our podcast. So keep doing that. It's really wonderful. And we thank our viewers. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hello Kitty. <laughs>